Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, the IMA. This is episode 34. 34 is the magic constant of a 4x4 normal magic square. A few weeks ago, uh, I visited London for the Women in Mathematics Day, and one of the uh, excellent speakers at that event was Eugenia Chang, and after her talk she sat down with me uh, and enthusiastically told me about her area of interest, which is category theory. Hello, I'm Eugenia Cheng, and I'm a lecturer of pure maths at the University of Sheffield. I've been there for just under two years, and before that, well, I started in Cambridge, where I was an undergraduate and a PhD student, and I did a postdoc there, and then I moved to the University of Chicago, where I was a postdoc, and then I went to the University of Nice, where I was a postdoc, so I've been really rather all over the place. Maths has always been the most exciting thing to me, really well, among some other things. But ever since I was really little, maths absolutely fascinated me. I hated maths at school, vehemently. I thought that school maths lessons were absolutely awful and boring. Um, And this continued quite a long way. So you might wonder why I had this absolute conviction that maths was what I wanted to do. And the answer is I don't really know. But I I had this vision that somewhere beyond the triviality and dull... Um, content of school math lessons. There was something really fascinating out there and I kept wanting to go further until I found what it was that was really beautiful and fascinating. And so when I was doing my A-levels, I knew that what I was doing, I did maths and physics and music as A-levels. And I thought, if only I was only doing maths and further maths and I didn't have to do all this physics, then it would be great. And then I went to university to do maths. And I thought, well, that would be great because I'd only have to do maths. And I thought, oh, if only I didn't have to do any of this applied maths and I could only do the pure because that was what was the best thing for me. And then when I got to my third year and I could ditch all the applied maths and I was just doing pure and I thought, oh, if only I could only do algebra, then that would be fantastic. So then I went and did part three in Cambridge and And it was there that I I really had a revelation because I took a course in category theory, which is what some people consider to be a very overly abstract branch of pure maths. But for me, it was like I had finally come home and found the thing that I'd been waiting for for my entire life. And I just thought, oh, if only I didn't have to do all this other kind of pure maths and I could only do category theory. So finally it happened. I became a PhD student and I could finally just do category theory. So you might wonder what is category theory that had me so excited. Well, it's sort of, I sometimes like to think of it as the mathematics of mathematics, which sounds very self-referential, but let's think about what mathematics is in the first place. It's sort of a process of organising our thought, and it's a process of drawing analogies between different things in the world that somehow behave in a similar way. And maths... maths, is useful in all sorts of situations, but those situations can seem a bit contrived. So when you do maths at school, you have all these silly algebraic equations to solve, and you know you say something like, "If, um, if my mother is uh, in ten years' time, my mother is going to be twice as old as I am now, or something, and five years ago, something, something, something. How old am I?" And those kinds of things you can probably just work through in your head without really having to go into algebra but when it gets more complicated than that then it really helps to turn it into a piece of mathematics with you know x's and y's and stuff like that solve it as a piece of math and then bring it back into the problem that you first thought of and category theory is a bit like that for math so until quite recently really 
category theory didn't exist. Nobody saw any need for it. But then in about the 1940s, it started dawning on people that it would be really helpful if there was some way of thinking about different mathematical structures in the same way um, when something similar seemed to be going on in different fields. And that's how category theory was born. It sort of said, well, there are these things going on in, you know, in topological spaces and vector spaces and and other branches of maths that really look very, very similar. And, well, maybe it would be helpful if we actually constructed a mathematical structure out of those things. I had a great experience when I was, I was teaching a first-year undergraduate once, who I'd better not name, but this is a good story, so maybe it wouldn't matter if I did. But he came to me at one, uh, to one tutorial and he said, there are all these things in my different lecture courses that just look really similar. The same thing seems to be going on. People are drawing the same diagrams on the boards. There must be something going on. And in fact, he'd picked up a really profound piece of category theory that no one had told him about. He said, and he said to me, why don't people just tell us that this is the same thing going on in all these different subjects? And I thought to myself, well, exactly. Why don't people just tell us that it's the same thing going on in all those subjects? And that's sort of what category theory is about. You go, well, why are we studying the same things in all these different branches of maths without just saying, look, these are the same things. Let's somehow study them all at once and then go back into the individual fields and, and study them individually in those fields afterwards. Now, this, this can, you know, it might sound like what we're saying is that all branches of maths are just an example of category theory. And that's, that's not true. And it, it can come across as that sometimes, and possibly that's why people think that it's it's overly abstract, or maybe that they think category theorists are, are threatening to other subjects because they make the rest of it just an example. And that's not the case either. It's just it's a very it's a helpful way of thinking. Just like doing maths doesn't mean that the rest of life is irrelevant, and and it do also doesn't mean that you can use maths to understand the rest of life. Similarly, doing category theory doesn't mean that the rest of maths is well, irrelevant, and it doesn't mean you can use category theory to do all of maths. But it is, I think, a helpful and beautiful way of thinking and something that, well, it's something that has become quite ubiquitous in pure maths. It started off as, as being something quite specialised in the 1940s and it gradually seeped into the rest of pure maths, partly as a language that people use, because when you have a good language to talk about things, you can get further with the thoughts that you're trying to have. And then it gradually turned into branch of maths in its own right and something that people really do use to get further in the individual branches of maths that they do. So that's what, that's sort of what category theory is about. Um, if you want to know more or see more about category theory, I'm not sure if it's um, quite valid for me to plug something else in this podcast, but yeah. I have a series of YouTube videos that I've made with my colleague Simon Willerton, who's also at the University of Sheffield, where we, we give mini lectures about category theory. That's on YouTube, and our channel is called The Catsters. Um, we both believe strongly in the principles of education, and I'm not just in mathematics for the mathematics. I'm also in it because... I think the educate, that education is the key to a lot of things and that, that sharing the knowledge once you've attained it is one of the most important things that, that any of us can do in our lives. Having knowledge all by itself is, is not what the final point is. The point is to share it with other people. So I very much believe in sharing everything that I do as freely and as widely as possible. And, well, what advice would I give to people who are interested in doing maths? I would say that... 
do something that you really care about and that you're really interested in. Because it can be, it can get very difficult. There are certain points when you're doing research where you really don't get anywhere. And you need some sort of passion and guiding vision that, that persuades you that it's worth carrying on. And like me, or if, if you're like me and you, you think that there is something there that you're really passionate about, then do pursue it. You know, I didn't find the thing that, that I was really passionate about until I got to quite an advanced level. So if you haven't found it yet, that's also, that's also okay. And my director of studies when I was a first year gave me a great piece of advice because I was very worried because the exam that I, the subject I did best in in my exams was one that I actually really hated. And I said to him, what does this mean? Does this mean that, uh, does this mean I'm all wrong about the, the kind of maths I should be pursuing? And he said, well, it's just an exam. Right? And that's not what research is about. And in the end, what's going to be most important is that you are passionate and that you're, you're genuinely, deeply interested in the subject that you're doing. So that's the advice that I would also pass on to everybody else. OK, I hope you found that interesting. OK, I'll put a link to Eugenia's channel on YouTube in the show notes for this episode. You can get the show notes... Uh, become a fan of the Facebook page and download other episodes of the podcast by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk If you're on Twitter and want to find out more about what I do for the IMA, you can find me at twitter.com slash peterrowlett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T. Right, thank you for listening. <laughs>